श्री गौरी वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जाए राष्ट्रीय श्री भक्ति विदंत स्वामी प्रभुपाद की जाए श्री श्री भक्ति विदंत स्वामी प्रभुपाद व्यास पूज महामोत्सव की जाए श्री नंदोत्सव महोत्सव की जाए So today is the auspicious uh, appearance day of Srila Prabhupada being honored uh, throughout the world this this week as is appropriate and um he appeared on the day of the Nandotsav the festival of Nanda Maharaj which we discussed in brief on the first day of our in the morning of our celebration for Janmashtami auspicious day to, to take birth practically speaking it's the birthday of Krishna he was born at midnight so and um it became known that he was born in Gokul after midnight so auspicious day to uh, appear in the world and of course we like it his disciples and grand disciples and followers and so forth it seems to be very appropriate practically he's born on the day of Krishna's appearance and his appearance in our life has brought Krishna into our lives so it makes perfect sense to us and so usually on these days here i say a few words and everyone else is silent but uh i'm free to express some appreciation for Prabhupada, if you would like it, would you like me to give you all an opportunity to do that, or would you prefer that I just say something myself, and then upon concluding, we can see if anyone has anything to add. Maybe we'll do it like that, and yeah. feel, feel less, sh- less, yeah. less shy or something. Oh, it's hard to express feelings, are hard to express. That's where they're feelings. <laughs> they're inside, so it's hard, hard to bring them outside. and if no one has anything to say it doesn't imply in any way that they don't have such feelings or they wouldn't be here today but they're hard to articulate so i'll say a few things um it came to my mind last night we were discussing krishna's appearance in the the the, the tatva the siddhanta about his uh, appearance as given in the bhagavad gita over about four verses in the avatar tatva section of the fourth chapter which he concludes that section he concludes by saying one who knows me in truth who understands this tattva that i've just laid out for you in the previous verses about my birth and my activities in the world one who understands this the tattva about them and thus their transcendental nature their position is very auspicious they don't have to take birth again to become free from birth and death and more so in the important topic but in the context of discussing that one of the verses uh, probably one of the most famous verses of the bhagavad gita krishna says yada yada hi dharmasya gnanir bhavati bharata abhyutana madharmasya taratmanam srijami aham and i mentioned at that time last night that uh, he can appear anywhere that would says yada yada hi dharmasya where whenever and wherever there's a decline in in uh, in dharma and an uprise of adharma then i make uh, my appearance now in the context of discussing that verse and the, the following verse two of which very much go together where krishna says paritranaya sadunam vinashaya chatuskritam dharma samstapanartaya sambhavami duge duge the reasons for his appearance are are given here that he comes to establish dharma he comes to do away with adharma or miscreants and people mis- misrepresenting and so forth and he comes to protect the devotees so in that discussion if you'll recall we focused on the uh, fact that the real reason for krishna's descent is to minister to his devotees and if we take it to krishna speaking we know he only comes once in a day of brahma if we take it as he's speaking about himself personally which he is but by extension his other avatars and so forth but if we think of him personally we know that he comes once in a day of brahma so who are those devotees that he comes for he 
comes to those devotees who have perfected themselves to the point where without his association and the association of his entourage, they cannot complete their bond, their emotional bond with him, their stai, their, their, their dominant emotion of a, as a friend or as a lover. And they need that association with his, uh, his eternal retinue, entourage, to develop the kind of developments that are exclusive to the uh, relationship with Krishna in Braj. In other words, devotees don't go from here to the spiritual world. To Goloka, you can go from here to Vaikuntha. But you can't go from here to Goloka. You have to take birth wherever Krishna is performing his pastimes in the material world and get that association. And then go with them when they leave, disappear, and the leader becomes unmanifest. So, this is what he comes for. He comes for those kind of devotees. And the overspill is... He can't resist them, in other words. He's, and the, what spills over, the byproduct of that, is establishing dharma and doing away with the uh, dharma and the demonic and, and so forth. So Krishna's moving under the influence of his swarup shakti. And they have that ingress of swarup shakti has come within their hearts in a prominent way. He's answering to it. So, and this is Krishna. But as I say, by extension, then... The verse uh, refers to, well, the first thing that comes to mind is the Yuga avatars because he says, Yuge, Yuge. So, I come Yuga after Yuga. So it's a, it's a, could be taken as a Gita reference to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's appearance, as I mentioned, who uh, some people think cannot be God or the Yuga avatar because there is no Yuga avatar for Kali Yuga. One of the names given in Vishnu Sahasranam and I think in Bhagavatam too, Triyuga. This means he comes in three yugas. Sarvoma quoted this when uh, the learned Gopinath, or the devoted, I should say, Gopinath, the learned Sarvabhoma quoted this to the devoted Gopinath in uh, reply to the Gopinath's feeling and sentiment that Mahaprabhu was, was uh, Krishna himself. He said, well, Krishna doesn't come in Kali Yuga. He's Triyuga. But... Um, Gopinath uh, had that kind of spiritual reasoning to uh, to reply. He said he doesn't come in Kali Yuga, means he doesn't. He comes in a covert way, and so forth, and, and so on. Uh, he didn't cite this verse from the Gita, but we can. It's Krishna. It's a, it can be taken as a reference to the fact that there's a Yuga avatar in Kali Yuga, and of course, obviously, that is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So. It, and by extension, rather than speaking of Krishna himself, as I say, it speaks about yuga avatars who establish the Dharma. And that's principally what they do. Of course, they're also ministering to their devotees. As I said, there are sadhakas and developing advanced sadhakas always in the world. And so the Lord is appearing to uh, drawn by them. Nonetheless, he does he does the Dharma, explains the Dharma, and so forth. But there are other types of avatars too, as we know. And uh, we mentioned that with regard to emphasizing the complexity of the theology of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, the likes of which is, is not um, to be found elsewhere in uh, religious traditions. All this ref- very subtle uh, and uh, uh, refined analysis of the person of, of the Godhead and uh, his different shades of his appearance, as I say, the Yuga avatars, the Manvantara avatars, the, the uh, Leela avatars, the Guna avatars, the uh, Shaktivesha avatars, the different kinds of Shaktivesha avatars, direct and indirect, and on and on it goes. And uh, you haven't got this kind of a fine analysis of the, of the uh, person, of the Godhead, anywhere except in... Gaudiya Vaishnavism, not to the same extent in any other Vaishnava tradition, for that matter. And so they've sorted it all out, these Goswamis. For our sake, I'm going through all these scriptures so scrutinizingly, and they've brought all this out. And then by doing so, of course, they've pointed to the fact that Krishna is the fountainhead, and they've established this. So many gods and so many avatars and and so on and so forth. They wanted to sort it all out because they wanted to point to that 
a supreme enjoyer so that you could have one half of the equation of full giving in place. If you had to give, if you want to give comprehensively, as I've many times said, you have to have a comprehensive taker who can take unlimitedly. And this is Krishna, and by analysis of rasa, this comes to bear. Narayan can't take to the same extent that uh, Krishna can. He cannot take in various sentiments of, appro- of approach, of love, and so forth. So, very uh, uh, useful task that uh, Goswami's writing such books and so forth, explaining these things to us. And so, this verse, while it's speaking directly of Krishna, and when we take it in that light, as I've explained, it, it means he's coming for those devotees who are taking birth in the Leela in the world and so forth, and others are benefited as a byproduct of that. That's one thing, but if we take it in an extended way, then we come to the idea of the, well, let's say, as I said, Yuga Avatar, we'll start with that. So they come in each Yuga, but they're all appearing in, and for that matter, the Leela Avatars as well, and it seems like the Guna Avatars too, and they're all appearing in India, in Bharata. So commenting on this verse of the Gita, Bhaktivinoda Thakur makes a point. He says that they, they all appear in, in, in India because there in India this, this Varnashram Dharma is in place to one extent or another. And this Chaturvarnamaya Shristam Gunakarmami Bhagavad Krishna has given this system of social religious order. And um, so it's, it's his system. He himself is, is above it and beyond it, and he says that in the Gita. I created it, but I've got nothing to do with it. But he has something to do with it, nonetheless. In the highest sense, he doesn't ask Krishna in the Braj Lila, but even there, that's the social structure. I was talking with uh, that um, one of the Iskon Swamis, and the uh, topic of Varnashram came up briefly, and I was talking about Varnashram and, and, and in an eternal sense, he said, well, there's no Varnashram in the spiritual world, Maharaj. I said, no, there is. <laughs> you don't know, like, what, what spiritual world are you going to? It's in Golok. That's the social structure. What's really making it go around is bhava and ecstasy, and that's just the shape that it takes, Varnashram and so forth. So this is the eternal kind of manifestation of it, if you will. Of course, when we try to take that from there without the bhava and put it here in the modern world, it just doesn't work that well. And it, impedes people often from getting involved rather than encouraging them to get involved. So we have to learn to draw the, the bhava from it, the feeling from it, and make an arrangement that uh, will facilitate people coming within the fold and so forth. But at any rate, uh, he has something to do with it. He's beyond it in the, in, the, in the worldly sense in that it's religious and he's super transcendental, but nonetheless it's in place in, in Goloka, at least formally. And um, at the same time, when he went in, in establishing Dharma, which is the overflow of protecting the devotees, he does comment on Varnashram Dharma and, and, and so forth. And other avatars, not being as aloof, if you will, as the avatari, Krishna and Golok, they have more to do with uh, uh, Varnashram, more concern for that. So they come to the place where that is the... Uh, social system, and as it's disintegrating more and more in India, then you have the justification for why they're not coming. People say, well, all these people came in the past, they don't come now. I don't believe, maybe I don't believe that they, they ever came. Maybe it's just a, a story or so forth. So this is anyway, one, one kind of explanation. They come where the Varnashram is uh, in place where the religious system of, of, of Bhagawan is in place in, in the world. Um, but Bhaktivinoda comments that they don't only come there, but these well-known avatars do. But they also, he said, come to the places where they're, where the outcasts are, where the, there's no varnashram dharma, and they tender to whatever little sense of dharma may be there, and. Dharma ultimately comes to bhakti, so whatever little sense of of bhakti might might be there. Of course, bhakti is transcendental, and it's a gracious grant and a gift. So I guess we can't say whatever bhakti is there, but bhakti may be there because some people have 
talked about it, and this is how it comes about. So he says that sometimes the Lord comes there, which is one of the places he can come anywhere. He says whenever, wherever, and we might say, well, it's certainly pretty much of a decline in religious principles and practice in the, in, in the modern Western world. Why hasn't he come? And Bhaktivinoda Thakur seems to answer that he that he does, and and um, by way he says of Shaktivesha, so uh, an empowered devotee. And um, as I mentioned, and we've been discussing it on our forum, there are apparently two types of Shaktivesha, direct and indirect. One in which the direct, in which the Lord Himself comes and manifests a particular power of His for a particular purpose. And the other indirect, where a jiva gets infused with a particular power of the Lord for a particular purpose. That comes for some time, and then may be removed, as in the case of Parashuram, there's an example. You know, a lot of my godbrothers and god sisters like to glorify Prabhupada to a point sometimes where it becomes counterproductive and fanatical. They like to uh, almost make him out to be God. And um, I was thinking about it in relation to this uh, idea of the Shaktivation. Of course, Yajubar Maharaj, one of Prabhupada's gobblers, made the comment that, that he considered Prabhupada as Shaktivesh. Uh, and later on, uh, Sridhar Maharaj made the comment, which became more public, and um, supported it with various... Uh, scriptural or uh, spiritual logic. And uh, maybe we'll we, we, we get to that in terms of the particulars of the empowerment, the type of evasion and so forth. But it's not inappropriate even to go so far. Um, Gandiva wrote on the Tatvabhikva, because we were discussing these uh, Yuga avatars or uh, Shaktivesha avatars, she, she said, well, you know, I want to be a little careful here about this because she happens to be living with a, a person who's a flaming uh, Ritvik who, you know, has, well, you know, their take on Prabhupada's rather fanatical and, and it becomes offensive and misrepresents him and so forth. And so she was a little concerned, well, we start too much calling Prabhupada the Shaktivesha avatar because they're going to list him as the 11th Avatar, you know, Ekadasa Avatar instead of Das Avatar, and uh, worshiping him. So I was thinking about that, and I thought, well, actually, it wouldn't be um, it wouldn't be necessarily um, wrong. You know, knowing him personally, he, he would perhaps resist. But the fact is that he was um, very empowered for extraordinary work, and they, they like to call him the preeminent. You know, his preeminent position. And in the world, it, it is very uh, extraordinary. The general idea of guru, that's another thing, is kind of shaktivation, empowerment for bhakti to, and so forth. But in, a, in an extraordinary way, you can't theoretically say that it would be entirely inappropriate. I'm, I'm kind of sound like I'm not on the limb here. Huh? <laughs> uh, but let me, let me bring, it, bring it home here for you. To glorify Prabhupada in such a way, there may be room for that. Sridhar Marsh was asked what kind of a vesh by one of his students, and he said Nityananda vesh, which is, of course, that's kind of different. It's not like a particular shakti, but he's talking about a particular personality and, and his, his, uh, his nature and so forth, and his, his power for propagation. And then he gave a scientific kind of analysis of the work of Nityananda Prabhu and showed the parallels with Prabhupada's work Nityananda was would reach out to the to the outcast, the downtrodden people beyond the Varnashram and so forth. That was typical of him. Very generous in his outreach, very simple in his presentation. Just chant and be happy, get people going and so forth. And, uh, and not that Prabhupada didn't have to make a sophisticated presentation with so many books and so on and so forth. But even there. A good part of that is kind of just an encouragement to get involved and to, uh, basic sambandagyan uh, that uh, is uh, required. You don't really need much more than that. A lot of his students uh, say that. We don't need any more, all this fancy philosophy and so on and so forth. And it's Prabhupada. And, uh, and you know, there's some truth to it, actually. And so he can be 
glorified in a sense un, un, unlimitedly. And even to this point, of, you can list them as the 11 in your own list. Of, they'll love this kind of thing, these, these <laughs> terrific type of people. But um, stay you know, connected to the tree rather than that limb falling off. We had to bring it back to this, of course. What? That, well, let's take Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He's God himself. He's Krishna himself. He appeared. And what kind of wonderful thing he did? He founded the Sampradaya, of course. We can't say that Prabhupada founded the Sampradaya because Chaitanya Mahaprabhu did. It's his Sampradaya. And, um, but nonetheless, extraordinary outreach to the, to the outcasts and the non-Vedic sector of the society, which is the larger sector as, as it uh, happens to be, in, historically speaking, at the time of his outreach. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's contribution is obviously is super extraordinary and, and spiritually greater, and he's the founder of the Sampardaya, he's Krishna himself. We cannot glorify him enough, we cannot give him a higher position. He holds the highest position of all. Nonetheless, He's given a system for worshipping him and, and following him and so forth. So you can glorify Prabhupada to this extreme, as I'm mentioning, but not in such a way that you do away with the, the system of approaching him and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and all the great acharyas and, and all the great avatars and descents of the divine and so forth. That doesn't change. That remains in place. In other words, there's a Guru Parampara. So, we have Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, you still need a Guru Parampara. That's not done away with. In fact, that's what he comes to establish. He says in the Gita, right? He comes to establish the Parampara system. That's why he comes. So, if we, came, we say he's so great he came, we don't need the Parampara. We, we've done away with the, one of the purposes for his descent. How does he establish Dharma? By establishing this channel by which we access the, the association of so many saints, approach the avatar, and, and so forth. So to say that Prabhupada is a Shakti Vesha avatar, it's okay, and if you want to make him, make a lot out of, uh, of that, and uh, even say, you know, you can just worship Prabhupada. You can just worship Prabhupada. Make him the principal deity. It, it's not un, wrong, theoretically. I was lamenting today that uh, we have not yet uh, established the Pushpa Samadhi for Prabhupada here. Of course, we got distracted for building the temple, and knowing Prabhupada, he would have said, do the temple first. And when I was uh, had my party, we call it the Bhaktivedanta Traveling, Bhaktivedanta Book Trust Traveling Sankirtan Party, BPTTSKP. And... Um, Tamal Krishnamarsh had uh, joined with um, Vishnu John Swami and uh, he named their party the Radha Damodar party after the deity of Radha Damodar that Vishnu John Marsh had been worshipping. And so at one point, it was like 1976, uh, yeah, 1976, I believe, Tamal Krishna wanted, Marsh wanted me to, my party to merge with his. <laughs> and... Um, I just want to see the whole thing go on nicely. So he, he told me that uh, I'm fighting with all my Grihasta godbrothers and I'm not going to f- compete with my sannyasi godbrother as well. It was a transcendental competition you know, for book selling and so forth. This is, I think that we should join forces together. And, um, and then he told me, and if you don't join forces with me, I'm just going to quit giving money to the book fund. And I'm just going to send money to you know to Mayapur for building Mayapur Vrindavan. So I was you know poster boy for the book fund. Yeah, so I couldn't let that happen. I had to deal with Guru Swami previously, who uh, who tried to get all the main book distributors from North America and, and take them to Japan just for collecting for Prabhupada's projects in India, just giving money. And I wanted to keep money going into the book fund. That was my service. Him and Jasodhanandamars, they tried to get me to join them, and they realized that was going nowhere. I was, you know, a tattva of my own. 
so to speak, you know, the incarnation of book distribution and so on, as Prabhupada called me. So they said, all right, we can't get you, but we want a list of all the top book distributors in North America. We want their names. Because I was there for the festival. This was the first festival in Mayapur. I think it was 74, and I had arrived early via Australia. We were staying in a little hut, uh, myself and Guru Kripa Maharaj and Yashodananda Swami. And the other devotees were all coming. You know, They were like a week out. We had gotten there early. And so they, they wanted all the names. So then they, during the festival, they, they, they'd go and get these guys. And they had a way of like inspiring and intimidating at the same time. Like, you're a brahmachari, you should be around with the sannyasi. What are you doing in the temple with all those householders? You know, we're going to get you fired up. You know, <laughs> how many slokas do you know? You know, and they would like that. They would kind of intimidate them, but they were a good association too. So they wanted to take these leading book distributors. That was a huge problem for me. How am I going to get out of this one? And so I tried to avoid them as best I could. And anyway, what I did was they they wanted to come back. They wanted to take all of them. And come, actually they wanted to come, come to America. And then they would take book distributors and turn them into just collectors. But they would be going to this, sorry about this, you know, my, my going on. Uh, they would send them for collecting to all the places where we were distributing books. And it was difficult, you know, you'd go to a parking lot to sell books and you had to know you could go on Tuesdays and Fridays because the watchman wasn't there or the guy that was the watchman was a nice guy and he'd let you sell. And they'd just come into a town and go to all the spots and rile everybody up, you know, and then leave town. And then the local temples who would send out their book distributors would be frustrated. So it was a double problem. Not only did they want the, the men, but they wanted the, to use the men in the same places where we were selling books. So I had a, a brainstorm because one um, other Swami, his name was, uh, what's his name? Oh, I can't Gopal Swami. He had just come from Japan. He was talking about how they, they were collecting, they could collect donations in Japan by just bowing down to people like this dressed as monks and people would give a donation. So I somehow managed to convince Guru Creek and Yashodananda to go to Japan and collect there. I'm partially responsible, I guess, for <laughs> what they did over there. Um, but uh, anyway, I kept them out of America and I managed to, you know, avoid giving them too many names. So, and then Tamal Krishnamarsh, you know, this was, was another one. I was trying to balance him out and in uh, his what to do. He was going to quit. So I, he was probably bluffing, but I was concerned about it. So I thought, all right, anyway, okay. So I'll join with him, and we'll see what happens, and you know, we'll, we'll go in together, and it'll be more to the book fund, and and so forth. So we, we made a kind of a alliance. Which was basically then, then he could successfully compete with all the Grihastas because we were the number one party. We were actually defeating his party every month in our remittance to the, to the book fund. Except for one month, we let him win. We, we fudged the books and let him win coming into Mayapur so that he would be encouraged to go on with that. He could come into Mayapur as the leading, leading party. But otherwise, I was beating him hands down. <laughs> So anyway, by merging together, no one could compete with the, with the party. Anyway, sorry for going on about it, but when I, he got my uh, agreement, then he said, let's go talk to Prabhupada. So we were in Chicago, let's talk to Prabhupada. And he said, Prabhupada, uh, Tripurai Marsh has uh, decided to, to join forces with me. And Prabhupada kind of looked at it a little suspiciously. You know, He knew me and he knew Tamal Christian Marsh. I think he could figure out kind of what was going on, but... Anyway, Mar said, so there's an issue here, which he hadn't even brought up to me, but he was bringing up to Prabhupada, and that is that his party is named the Bhaktivedanta Book Trust Traveling Sin Kirtan Party after your divine grace, and our party is called the Radha Party. So what should we call the, you know, the party when it's merged? And Prabhupada, of course, deferred to Radha rather than to himself. He called it after Radha So... So I was lamenting today that we hadn't built the samadhi yet for Prabhupada, but we got distracted by, by the temple, and I think that Prabhupada would have deferred and said, build the temple for Gornitai first. But uh, it's, it's a strong uh, desire, but you know, I have the, the uh, appropriate ingredients for the Pushpa Samadhi. I think I'm the only one in the world that has those. 
flowers from the actual uh, garland that Prabhupada put in the samadhi that, that you need to make a pushpa samadhi. The only other one in the world is in Mayapur. So it's a, it's a first. Outside of India, the only official pushpa samadhi for Prabhupada. I wanted to build it here. and uh, Maybe I can get some funding from ISKCON now that they're... <laughs> They like me now, or they're, they're, they're supposed to like me. As they, they've said they have to convince everybody that it's okay. <laughs> but um, what a nice um, kind of Vyasa Puja we can have then. I mean, years now have gone by, and we've been living here in the woods with little, with nothing. Our first Vyasa Puja, and uh, John Mastami here was around the, the fire. Mm-hmm. I gave two two hour classes around the fire, and we had a little yurt that we cooked a few things in. And, and so forth, and uh, you know, I've been reluctant um, year after year to really invite too many people because their facility is limited. Now we've got half of a temple, so it's a little nicer once we have the kitchen and the decking and everything set up, and and the Pushpa Samadhi. I hope to put on a festival that will, um, you know, be heralded throughout uh, the three worlds in glorification <laughs> of uh, Sri Krishna, Chaitanya, and so forth, and. Uh, and Prabhupada on the Vyasa Puja. These are a little low-key, these celebrations here. But um, with the uh, directing and manifesting of the Pushpa Samadhi, I'll be sending out invitations everywhere, especially to those wealthy ISKCON patrons who are going to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Actually, I did get one ISKCON sannyasi who volunteered to pay something for the Pushpa Samadhi. And I'm ready to build it. That was his uh, holiness Giriraj Swami. Giraj Maharaj. He said, not much, but something. So so I'll play on that and when the time comes. But at any rate, another example of what I'm saying, that Kirtananda Swami built the, the Prabhupada Palace in New Vrindavan. And actually some devotees complained about it as he was giving all of his energy to that, excuse me, rather than sending money to the book fund. And Prabhupada replied that you can worship the spiritual master Unlimitedly. So he just approved of it. So unlimitedly. Shakti Veshavatar. I mean, it's okay if you want to go there with that. But you can't change the system, nonetheless. However great he is, he's coming to establish the Guru Parampara, this kind of system. You can't do away with it in the name of worshipping him. Mahaprabhu didn't do away with the Guru Parampara. He established the Gaudiya Vaishnava Guru Parampara. It's not Prabhupada's service as an avatar of Nityananda Prabhu, the very extension of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, by which Chaitanya Mahaprabhu could accomplish things that he otherwise could not accomplish. This is also Guru Parampara. Guru Parampara is the increasing of the whole thing. Like I like to say, they say, some people say, if you say as much as Prabhupada or less, you're bona fide. If you say more, you're a suspect. This is a backwards idea. Nityananda Prabhu, the whole idea of Nityananda Prabhu in one sense is that Mahaprabhu, while wanting to, to, to distribute everywhere, and for that purpose he took sannyas, was nonetheless restricted from going some places because of the sannyas code of honor and etiquette and so, and, and so forth. Because if a sannyasi is seen in a, in a brothel, for example, then People would think he's at the brothel. They wouldn't think he's there to preach. They think he's there to, to take the drink, and his 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 uh, reputation would be spoiled. So he had to avoid certain places. But his heart wanted to go everywhere with this Krishna Prem, Krishna Prem Pradayate. So Nityananda Prabhu, and he went. He was the extended mercy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, going after Jagai and Madai and so forth. There's a famous statement about him that if you see. Nityananda Prabhu in a brothel with a working girl. Don't think he's there for anything other than preaching the glories of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So this is the idea of the parampara to extend it, to do more, not, not to do away with it and do, and, do, and do less. So Prabhupada, you can go that far with it, Shaktivesh, and, and uh, say there's no need. You can just worship Prabhupada. It's a fact. You could just worship Prabhupada. He could be your deity. It's incredible. And, of course, whatever he has to offer, which is considerable, then that could all 
come in here. Just like we find, um, uh, you know, the deity of Thakur, Prabhupada's actually connected to this, the whole uh, lineage of Uttaranadatta. Thakur, one of the Dwarasa Gopals, one of the twelve principal cowherd friends of Ram and Krishna, who come and help Nityananda Prabhu. Prabhupada's family is connected with this Uttaranadatta Thakur, and they used to go on a pilgrimage there regularly. Prominent uh, member of the uh, Sakiras camp of Goloka Vrindavan, who came in in Gorlila. And when Prabhupada came back from America, they sent a delegation to greet him and and asked him to come to the temple and, and so forth. And at one point there was talk of Prabhupada getting getting the charge, uh, taking charge his his mission of, of Uttaranadatta Thakur Sripat, his place. And there's a deity of him there. And of course he has established a deity of Krishna as well and, and he has actually established deities of Gornitai in their worship, but uh but um, he's in the Parikar of uh, Govinda, Ram Govinda, and such power he has. So it's possible you can, they like to think, devotees like to think of Prabhupada as Nitya Siddha. He gave some reasoning by which you could think about it, or he gave reasoning by which you could think of him as Sadhana Siddha. But that he was empowered for extraordinary work. So, you know, we have the confirmation from this from in our line from Pujapad Sridhar Marsh. And in a, in a scientific way, as I said, he's attributed to in the, the Avesh to Nityananda Prabhu and made those kind of parallels. So there's scope for that. If you want to just make Prabhupada your deity, you, you can do it. And hopefully you do it right and all his sentiments will, will come in you. But you can't do away with the system by which such worship will go on, which includes, and prominently so, the Guru Parampara. So if people today, for example, are just inspired by what Prabhupada did, I'm just making an extreme example, but they want to make Prabhupada their deity, then I have no objection. But they can't do away with the system of approaching him, which is Guru Parampara. So they have to get initiated by someone who's really connected to him, who can teach them how to worship him and Maybe they teach him what he wanted, and maybe he didn't want to be, you know, seen entirely in, in that light, and so forth. Maybe he wanted to defer to Radha Damodar, to Gornitai, and, and and so on and so forth. Of course, you know, it's possible even not in totally inappropriate. Your sentiment can override, and Guru Bhakti is, in one sense, the best kind of bhakti. But anyway, my point is, all is fine, but not to the extent that we do away with the very system of approach. That he himself taught, that it is an age-old system. It's it's mentioned in the Bhagavad Gita. And again, Krishna says, "I come to establish the Guru Parampara," and they have Prabhupada coming to do away with the Guru Parampara. This is a backwards idea. That you cannot say. That's not a glorification. That's the kind of faulty glorification in terms of Siddhanta that would have never passed through Srupa Damodar to get to the ears of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and disturb him. So, we have to not allow this to get to Prabhupada's ears. Nothing could make him more upset. Nothing could enrage him more than doing away with the whole system that, I, that I'm part of, and a member of, that I, I come to establish. And, and this is the evidence of my real success and credibility, right, that I've left behind a person or persons who can appropriately connect others with what I'm about and what my teacher's about and what Mahaprabhu Shichatanadeva is about and so on. So, this way we we like, we can see that that verse of Bhagavad Gita refers to Prabhupada whenever and wherever. There was whenever, wherever, even here, even in the uh, land of, as it would be seen from the Varnashram point of view, untouchables. The Lord is incarnating in a powerful way Bhukti-bhuti, you know, through his power, uh, manifests in another person to do something uh, very extraordinary, to create the kind of sukriti that will turn into bhakti by that kind of association. Here is not the land of dharma, karma, marg, that is, gyan marg, bhakti marg. And in India you have a system, you have the karma marg, varnashram, dharma, and it begets 
Gyan and Bhakti, this is Ramanuja's idea and so forth, because we have a little bit of a different idea. But um, the general idea is that we're becoming religiously, appropriately, having moral fiber and proper religious conduct and so forth, one comes to inquire about spiritual things. Brahman, and looking deeply into Brahman, one finds that Brahman is rasa, not just consciousness, but ananda. And ananda is prominent in, in rasa. We call it rasa ananda. And so this is kind of a, a gradation or uh, steps on on ladder, so to speak. But by good association, you can go right to the to the top, and there's no real scope for varnashram here, not much. Dharma marg, gyan marg, and so forth. But an empowered shaktivesh, empowered devotee, the likes of Prabhupada, so many people taking up directly Gaur Bhakti, Krishna Bhakti. So people like to find the references for Prabhupada. They go to these obscure Puranas and so forth that are that, are, that aren't real or that, 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 that and uh, interpolated sections of the text and so forth, and then they they declare that Prabhupada is see he's predicted in the scriptures, and uh, so as much as we've sometimes labored to point out that's not what the text actually says, or those are those texts have been interpolated. In other words, they've been brought in by somebody else, they aren't originally there in the, in the text, and and so on and so forth. Uh, while we labor to kind of point that out sometimes to these fanatical people, here we're today we're offering them a verse. Yadāyidāhi dharmasya vānir bhavati bharata yutanam dharmasya tratmanam sri jāmiyaham And uh, based on the commentary of Thakura Bhakti Vinod, who did make predictions about great people, coming and uh, wonderful things happening. I was fortunate uh, to be there when one of his predictions was fulfilled in that by the power and grace of Prabhupada that people from all over the world will come to Mayapur and chant in the streets, Jai Sachinandan, Jai Sachinandan, Jai Sachinandan. It happened in 1974. That prediction was fulfilled by Prabhupada. So um, this is a bona fide way, then. We want to find the verse that refer, in the scripture that refers to Prabhupada. Here it is, right here, right in Bhagavad Gita. Of course, it doesn't refer exclusively only to him, but by extension, it speaks as Krishna speaking. I said, as I said, by extension, it speaks to, about him as well. And there, also, in that right section, just previous to that section where he begins speaking about the avatar, the context is the history of how this science comes down, and thus the parampara system that Krishna establishes and so forth. So it all works together. So there you can have your reference from the scripture and and glorify him unlimitedly. But you can't have a Ritvik or a covert Ritvik system. That's not going to work. So I thought I'd make that point. Sorry for going on about it to such an, ex- such an extent. But I wanted to read a few other things. We have all the time in the world here. <laughs> So, and these are some things that were originally posted on our forum, and not all of you may have seen that or had a chance to read them. They're kind of interesting. Because there's the outside of Prabhupada, which of course is his preaching campaign, which is extraordinary. And then there's the inside of Prabhupada, and that's important too. In fact, that's more important. As we spoke last night, churning the milk, as the metaphor goes, will result in thick milk going everywhere. Thick milk spilling over. And uh, that's what you want, to spill over, right, for preaching. So really, it's a, it's a thick milk, <laughs> not thin milk. You can water it down and then distribute it everywhere, but what are people getting? So we want, we want to overflow. We want to boil it down and still overflow. And it can happen, right? You can boil milk and it will overflow. So you're going to turn up the heat. There and boil that until it becomes so thick that still nonetheless overflows this idea. So we, we pointed this, this this out last night somehow, I can't quite remember, but how by boiling the milk it will it goes everywhere. Well it's in relation to Krishna's descent, because Krishna comes for those kind of devotees who are internally developed. That's what he comes for. And he when he comes, then it goes everywhere. The demons are killed and uh, the Dharma is established and so the, anyway, the internal 
side of Prabhupada's important too. And uh, that's to be sorted out in all this outreach. We're supposed to come to that. We're supposed to develop a taste and interest in these topics, not just spread it out everywhere and then there's all kind of problems that come and everybody just becomes absorbed in management and no time for bhajan and they've got a grand excuse for it. Well, it's so big, you know, it's just, Prabhupada's movement is just expanding so great, we we have no time for bhajan. We just got management problems to deal with. And and, uh, management should be simplified just to facilitate bhajan. And if the management is not facilitating bhajan, then it's not being managed right. That's the problem. So we don't we don't want to create excuses for for not going within. This is the whole thing, the whole the whole idea. I never once, for one minute, thought that Krishna consciousness was anything more than about me becoming Krishna conscious. And in the context of that, well, you help others, but it's about me becoming Krishna conscious. And you should think that about yourself. Be a little bit spiritually selfish because if you are, that will be good for other people. So, that's an important side. Now people don't like to talk about these things so much and they may say it's inappropriate, but I'm just going to read some things that the Prabhupada himself said and some things that some of his disciples said in glorification of him on this occasion in years gone by in their Vyasa Puja offerings which Prabhupada accepted and and didn't seek to correct or, or change. And um, here we go. Prabhupada, uh, speaking about the Guruvastakam, the prayer of Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur. And here it is the fifth uh, line. Sri Radhika Madhavayorapara Madhuddilila Gunarupanamnam Patikshana Swadhanalolupasya Bande Guru Sri Charanadavindam. Prabhupada says, What is that? Anyway, somebody had asked him a question. Bande Guru Sri Charanadavindam. So, Anyway, so here, and here's the main thing. I worship the Guru. So you, you just do bandhanam to the lotus feet of the Guru. Everything will come. But anyway, he says, and the spiritual master is always thinking of the pastimes of Krishna. So he's giving some meaning to the verse. Sri Radhika Madhava Yorapar. With Sri Madhurati, Srimati Radharani, his consort, and the gopis. That is, always his thinking. Sometimes, however, he's thinking about the pastimes with the coward boys. That means he's engaged always in thinking of Krishna, engaged in some kind of pastime. Sri Radhika Madhavayora Paramadur Jalila Gunarupa Nam Nam Pratikshana Swadhanalulu Pasya Pratikshana. 24 hours, he's thinking. That is Krishna consciousness. One must be engaged 24 hours thinking of Krishna. So, this is in a lecture in Stockholm. So what's interesting here, of course, is that this is Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur's stotram, uh, glorifying the uh, spiritual master. And I want to read you what Prabhupada said about another line of that um, verse as well. And that verse goes like this. You may know it. Nikunjayuno ratikeli sidhai is the particular line in it. And someone's asking Prabhupada about the meaning of that line. He says, The prayers offered by Vishwanath Chakravitaka to his spiritual master have special significance. His spiritual master was one of the assistants of, of the gopis, so the prayer was offered like that. So Prabhupada's acknowledging that Vishwanath is writing this verse in the sentiment of Madhurya, following his own Gurudev, who was an assistant to the gopis, means in Manjari Bhava. The tendon of, like the tendon of handmaiden of Radha. So the verse is saturated with those kind of sentiments. And this previous one we just quoted mentions Sri Radhika Madhavayorapara. Always thinking of the pastimes of Radha and Krishna. And uh, the next one says he's Nikunjayuno Ratike, he's engaged in the confidential service of Krishna and the gopis. So Prabhupada says his spiritual master was one of the assistant gopis, so the prayer was offered like that. On the whole, the spiritual master is the agent of Krishna. But, either he's assistant of the gopis or assistant to the cowherd boys. So the point here is in both of these verses, which are both overtly about um, Manjari Bhav, when questioned about them, 
Prabhupada acknowledges that fact, but he says, for what reason? God only knows. <laughs> but also, it, it could be seen as being about the coward boys, he's saying. Hmm? And there's absolutely, you know, point being, anybody who's cultivating the Manjari Bhav would never have brought up that point. Never. Or who's situated in such, has affinity for such, would never have brought up that point. It's just totally out of, out of place, in a, in a sense. It's not entirely out of place. And the verses can be construed in that way, too. But Prabhupada's saying it for a reason. We'll read a little more on that reason. should become clear if it hasn't <laughs> already. Here's something. One day, uh, this is from the uh, biography of Prabhupada, while sitting with Prabhupada, Tamal Krishna began to describe the pastimes of Krishna as depicted in the painting hanging to the right of Prabhupada's prasadam table. The painting showed Krishna and his coward friends eating lunch. And Srila Prabhupada looked at the painting and then, closing his eyes and thinking of the Leela, said, this is the highest perfection of life. Let me read something else in that regard. I don't have these in any order. I just printed them out. But um, One day, this is from the Leela to Prabhupada was sitting in his room receiving his massage and began talking and laughing. As he sat on the floor with one leg tucked under his body and one leg outstretched before him, he told two or three devotees present how Krishna, carrying the lunch his mother had packed for him, would go to the forest with his coward boyfriends who were also carrying lunches from home. Krishna's friends would all sit together sharing their lunch, and Krishna always had the best ladus and kachuris. <laughs> Prabhupada's eyes flashed. And he rubbed his hands together, smiling. I simply want to go to Krishna Loka so that I can have some of Krishna's ladu and kachoris. I do not have any great diversion from this. I simply want to go there so that I can enjoy, enjoy eating ladus and kachoris with Krishna and the cowherd boys. Opening his eyes widely, he glanced at Devananda, who was massaging him, and at the others in the room. Oh, he said, if you will give me ladus, kachoris, then I will bless you. <laughs> but here in the end, he's not really speaking to them. He's imitating Krishna's friend, Madhu Mangal, yeah. who's a Brahmin. And so he, you know, Brahmins, they're supposed to be fed. They're supposed to be able to speak as well as they can eat, but mostly they just eat. So Madhu Mangal, he just likes to eat. He's a cowherd friend and a joker, and a Priyanarma, who's involved in Krishna's romantic life. But he's a Brahmin not like the other cowherds who are all Vaishyas. He, he, he has no home. He stays in Krishna's house. And uh, this is typical of him. He'll say, Krishna, if you give me ladus and kachoris from your plate, then I'll, I'm a Brahmin. I can bless you. Hmm? So Prabhupada's imitating him and expressing his interest for such an ideal. You know, Prabhupada was also very critical of the Brahmins and... Uh, so it's, there's an interesting time with that, but I'll go on here. Um, it's becoming apparent what this is about when we talk about Prabhupada's internal life. So we just, you know, this is, just go by him. We just go by his own statements. And I'd say some, some of the sentiments that were created within his devotees, just, in, just by the nature of his being about what he's about. Here's something Prabhupada said to Subal. When Prabhupada came to Vrindavan for a visit, I got Dr. Kapoor to come with me to ask Prabhupada about Siddha Pranali and how gurus in other languages would give the Siddha day of the, of the devotee and so forth. I tell him about it. Prabhupada said, that is not done in our line. One must realize his relationship for himself. One cannot jump ahead. When one is ripe and ready, it will be revealed within. I am a cowherd boy. That's Prabhupada. <laughs> <laughs> It's pretty clear. <laughs> here's, well, here's another one, a short one. Prabhupada, he's, he's being asked about Surup Siddhi, the stage of realizing one's Surup. Surup Siddhi means when one is actually liberated. He understands what his relationship with Krishna is. That is Surup Siddhi, Sakya. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, 
looks like, unfortunately, I'm missing one of my favorite page here. Oh, here it is here. From Malati, North American GBC Executive Committee. We'll be meeting with her. I recall an intimate moment when you increased the mystique of your being here among us foolish, quote-unquote, boys and girls, as Prabhupada would refer to us, nonchalantly recalling how, as a child, you, quote, always got your way, which is what Prabhupada used to say. You proceeded to tell a little big net, big net, a little antidote, about your desire for a cowboy pistol. Finally, after much insistence, your father complied and bought you a toy gun. But you were not satisfied until you had two guns, one for each hand. <laughs> oh, said Harsharani, hearing the story, you are a cowboy. With complete gravity, you replied, yes. At that second, no one was thinking of you in the Wild West. We just knew you were speaking about being with Krishna and the cows of Vrindavan. We were only spiritual toddlers at best. It was 1967 or 68, but you mercifully gave us a glimpse into your heart. I felt very small being there with you at that moment. After that incident, the same devotee penned a short poem about you. In it, she described you as playing leapfrog in a pasture with Krishna and the cows and other gopas. It seemed funny and frivolous to us, yet you gravely remarked, she has become advanced, <laughs> and ordered that it be printed in Back to Godhead magazine. <laughs> That's a nice one, huh? We should find the article. Yeah, yeah. She, she actually recently and publicly told that story when they had the Pushpa Samai ceremony for Bhakti Tirtha Maharaj. Hmm. And Satsuma Maharaj spoke and said in the last months that they had conversations that Bhakti Tirtha Maharaj was describing these sentiments for Krishna and then Malati stood up and told the story and, and, and said, well, that's natural in his program. Mm -hmm. And that expressed that sentiment. Mm-hmm. Here's something here, uh, written by one of Prabhupada's disciples, Guinadasi. Gorsundra and I remained in Montreal for the duration of the time that Swamiji was in India. That was about six months. During the time, we drew many pictures for the early Bhattacadid magazines and daily worked in our small art studio while hearing Chaitanya Charitamrita and Bhagavatam. During that time, I began working on a drawing of Krishna and Balaram returning home with their cows, millions of cows. It became kind of a meditation. Daily I worked on this drawing, and although we had little information of how Vrindavan looked, it seemed to manifest within my heart. Though we did many other pictures, this picture was most dear to me. Even when I closed my eyes, I would still see an ocean of cows with Christian Balaram prancing before them. And in my view, over to the right, that cowherd boy was clearly meant to be Srila Prabhupada. After all, Swamiji had requested me to paint his portrait in San Francisco, and it was one of the first pictures I painted for him. Now I felt I was painting his spiritual portrait in Goloka. It was an innocent offering. I sent a copy of the drawing to Swamiji in Vrindavan, saying, This coward boy is my portrait of you. Obviously, Prabhupada didn't say, No, don't do that. He just accepted it. So she says, thank you, Prabhupada, for giving me the glimpse of Goloka. It spurred me on in my desire to serve you. Even now, when I see this picture, my original drawing has been colored in and hangs behind the deities of Krishna and Balaram. I guess she means in Vrindavan. I have to go there and look at that, huh? We should go and steal it. I, th <laughs> I think of you as I see you walking beside Krishna and Balaram, herding the cows home in the evening, and I think that this is no accident, that this very picture that I had offered to you so many years before is your portrait, walking beside your beloved Christian Balaram, and you are there, nearby. Thank you, Srila Prabhupada. So there's, there's, there's more. These are nice like sentiments from his disciples. They were just coming up naturally and spontaneously because he was so moved by this and empowered by Nityananda Bhu and
personally moved. So there's some scope for uh, thinking about these things and aspiring to join him in the Nithyalila. And such aspirations appropriately um, expressed that would help us make progress in Krishna consciousness and, and increase our ability to just uh, spread the milk out. Thick milk, as I said. Not watered down. Yes? I'm reminded of Shula Shira Martin's comments. When I have them here. Complaint yeah. About, about him naming Shula Prabhupada's Rasa. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We have his authoritative statements as well. Most of you have heard that. So, uh, anyway, that's short talk.